Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. Welcome everybody to another episode of Investing Insights with Steve Waters and Victor Kumar from Right Property Group. Vic, welcome back. Thank you. Or welcome us back. Welcome us back. I just said that like, like I'm the only one that was here and you're <laughs> always the guest. <laughs> Truth be known, I'm the guest. That's Vic it. Vic just doesn't like doing the introduction. I don't think you've ever done an introduction. No, I have never done an introduction. You know, Maybe I, next time you can. Usually what happens is that uh, you, you grew up on a farm, right? So yeah. it's, it's the, uh, you know, the, the um, prize stallion comes in later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so much I could say there, but I won't. <laughs> the, the word prize and stallion and victor doesn't seem to go together. <laughs> Maybe we should do another uh, podcast just around that subject. We'll, do, we'll make it a fireside chat. Actually, as I digress from the original digress um we're going to do the fireside mm-hmm. chat so somewhere in the very near future it'll be around winter mm-hmm. uh, so we can have literally a big fire uh where we'll set the cameras up um obviously the recording gear and everything like that and we'll have a few special people come along uh where we're going to be totally relaxed just chewing the fat around a fire mm-hmm. out in the middle of somewhere and uh but the same flavor I mm-hmm. guess, but in a much more relaxed ad, uh, environment. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, and I've you're bringing the wine. I'm not, but I know who is. <laughs> it's um, got better taste. So you better m- make sure we invite him then, right? Oh, they know about it. it um, <laughs> everyone's keen to do it. So mm-hmm. stay tuned, everybody, because we're super keen for that. It uh, Obviously, once again, it'll be filmed. So I don't know. I've seen a few people do that, especially in the States, mm. not in around property, just different subjects. And it looks really inviting mm. yeah, you can't help but watch it i guess yeah you know, raw unedited as these are mm. um nonetheless something to look out for for sure well vic there's a lot of news same old news mm-hmm. i guess we've rates seen on their way up yeah rates are on their way up again mm-hmm. it's um cash rates called it's up and no doubt the certain elements of the media will be all over that mm. and predict doom and gloom as they usually do. As they usually do. And look, to be fair, I think we need to call it how it is. There are certainly some parts of the market that are suffering uh, and it almost becomes a self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. Mm. Um, you know, if there's enough negative news in the media, it, 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 everyone latches onto it and that's the new truth. Well, it is. And the more people that do it, the more people that do it and it becomes reality, yeah. I guess. Uh, now, that's also taking into account that there have been some elements of the market that have overperformed well and truly well in excess of historical averages times three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not healthy. So whether we get uh, a contraction in certain elements of the market around the country, and mainly at this point in time, it's around Sydney and Melbourne, um, and whether the others will follow yep. is yet to be seen. Like we have our own thoughts on that. And so far we're, we've been very accurate and very mm-hmm. correct, I guess. Uh, yeah, because it's, it's all cyclical. Well, it is. And this isn't the first time this has yeah. happened. Like, And I think people need to get a grip mm. and just look back in the cyclical nature of this particular mm-hmm. asset class and what drives it for the most uh, and realise it's just another stage. Yeah, It's another season and it doesn't mean that all, all markets react mm. the same way. 
Um, we've just come out of a market where all markets were north, which was highly unusual to have all markets doing the same thing. Uh, that's not the usual. Yeah. And now we are getting back to a to relevance and mm-hmm. to a to a more usual market based on historical trends and the cyclical nature of the asset once again. But it doesn't mean that all markets are going to be suffering. But what it does mean, Vic, is that there will definitely be some opportunities that present themselves in the market and it will be state-based mm-hmm. to some degree, uh, but it's going to be history repeating itself. Yeah, yep. And this is not just us trying to, uh, you know, talk talk up uh, the market or, or talk up the situation. That's how it actually unfolds, uh, that as, as seasons change, uh, as the cycles change, you get new opportunities come, come up and, um, uh, you know, you need to put yourself in the position to actually recognise those opportunities because sometimes... Oh, oh, well, usually most times, opportunities come wrapped up in problems and you need to know how to, how to solve those problems to get to the opportunity. And that's, that's a really good point that you made uh, about a minute ago around that the opportunities that we will see in today's market and tomorrow's market are not the same opportunities that we've seen in the last 12, mm-hmm. 24 months or yep. thereabouts. Uh, and it is just the usual pattern of what the asset does mm-hmm. through different... Uh, monetary environments as well as what the consumer flavour is at that point in time. Yep. Um, but there will definitely be these opportunities. But as we said, this is not a um, – you know, we're not trying to be those property guys who are just talking about rivers of gold throughout all sectors because we're definitely not saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be some hurt. There will be some hurt, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We've already seen some hurt uh, and I would imagine that there'd be some continued – contraction in the asset value of some areas Uh, but as we say there'll also be on the other side of the ledger there'll be some very good opportunity in and around that doesn't mean waiting for the bottom of the barrel or the bottom of the cycle to jump back in Mm -hmm. these particular um, opportunities as you say may be uh, dressed as a problem yeah perceived problems yeah Yeah. as opposed to what they really are and Mm -hmm. that is potentially an opportunity so there's four or five of those that we see happen all markets and we'll give you examples actually how about we do that yeah as from yesteryear Mm. same sort of flavor same sort of monetary environment and and the reality is that you know we actually thrived you know the last tangible crisis we had there's many crises in between but during the gfc we were buying up a storm loved it um in an ethical way yes of course uh, but as we've said before, crises come and go and there is always one. Mm-hmm. Every couple of years, it's just a different type of crisis. So to repeat ourselves, obviously we've got uh, inflation and higher cost of money now. We've had COVID, another crisis. Before that, we had APRA. Before that, we had the GFC. And I'm going to miss out some mini crisis mm-hmm. along the way. And before uh, the GFC, we had the end of um, the loose credit environment. Mm. And, and prior to that, we had the recession. Yeah, and it goes on and on and mm. on. So there's always a crisis somewhere around the corner. It's just how do we, how do we prepare for it, mm. and how do we act in amongst it to set ourselves up for the next um, upward swing. Yeah, you, you, some, you said something really pertinent. Right? It's how to prepare for it because it, you know in this phase of the cycle, the investors, the purchasers, the home purchasers that are actually prepared. Uh, to to take advantage of this market will will absolutely uh, come out shining on the other end, uh, as opposed to the unprepared will be then uh, battened down by the negative media, the um, uh, you know 
spiraling uh, interest rates upwards uh, and therefore the cost to hold properties uh, because they've left the run a bit too late now i'm i'm stressing it's not still not too late right even though we've had uh, you know interest rate rises left right and center and and more flagged uh, at this stage if you address like we keep saying address the fundamentals know your cost to operate knowing the cost to operate of not just the portfolio but your entire household budget um you can certainly set aside um contingency funds you can then um liquefy your equity and be ready to pounce on the opportunity it will usually be too late to pounce on the opportunity um when you're trying to uh you know start from a standing stop two very important points here one cost to operate which is something that we've talked about for many years not just the segmented cost to operate of the portfolio but of your life mm-hmm. so the household budget very very important and the second one is preparation and if we even go back i don't know six of these ago mm. where we banged on about liquidity 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 then go back i don't know every second podcast facebook live conversation that we've had over the last 5 years about liquidity liquidity mm-hmm. liquidity liquidity those that are and it's not too late to be liquid now mm. it's getting harder but it's not too late yep um those that have met that preparation box so to speak will be in the box seat mm. to be able to move forward if you continue to purchase worst case you're going to have some fantastic sleep at night money mm-hmm. just so that between your ears you're comfortable which is half the battle yes a lot of the time is. is trying to trying to go against what you read in the media on the social media profiles and and what have you from every would be could be an anal- mm-hmm. analyst yeah uh, is to actually go against the grain if you deep down don't believe it now there are times when i believe they're going to be right and some of them are right now mm. but there's a big cohort that aren't that are just putting words on paper or on a screen to create the hoo-ha yep to sell the advertising space now i'm i'm being very broad and general there not all um journalists are that way inclined however the unfortunately the majority of the public follow that narrative mm-hmm. and we're seeing that right now like you think about it in if you're under no economic hurt now why would you sell exactly right and if knowing you, your numbers yeah and if you knew your numbers and you knew that you could sustain whatever the the future holds throws at us over the next couple of years and you knew that property is a long-term asset class and that over time because you've selected a good area that it will do well why would you sell now mm-hmm. unfortunately there's going to be a big group of people that do yeah it's the uninformed and perhaps um well let let's take a step back right the first time an interest rate rises when uh, after a long period there hasn't been an interest rate rise the first tranche of properties that do come on the market are your profit takers you know they they are the people that perhaps um you know want to get rid of a dog property or they just want to batten down the hatches or sell their investment properties to pay down their home loan so there's a there's a usually a flush of properties in the market and then it peters down but when you get your follow on interest rate rises that's when the panickers and the can't hold on uh put their properties on the market it'll be interesting to see whether that there is a a, a group of people that can't hold on mm-hmm. so to speak um the reason i say that is because for for the first time in a long time 
some would say history, we are further in front of our mortgages. Absolutely. Collectively than we ever have been, thanks to, as we've discussed before, products like the Officer Facility and mm. the like. Um, we're at very low credit card debt, lowest since the 70s, I believe. Um, conversely, though, we've got higher inflation, we've got higher cost of goods and services, mm-hmm. so that will start to erode that back-end uh, budget, so to speak, of the household. But where and when and if we start to see that household hurt and the necessity to sell the assets. Now, you could go <clears throat> right down a rabbit hole with that and say, okay, well, the home is a different story, but what happens if they own a home and two investment properties yep. and they feel the hurt, they'll sell the investment properties before they sell the home mm-hmm. or whatever it may look like to them. But you're right. What we do see is, and it's the first time in a long time we've seen interest rate rises, so there's the profit taker. So we see a flurry of uh, property on the market in certain areas Mm -hmm. uh, as people look to take potentially profit or to mitigate what they perceive may happen in the future. Then it'll peter off as people become used to the current interest rate environment, as long as we don't keep getting 25, 40 basis points every single month Mm. uh, there will be a point where it will stop nobody knows that point in time yet um but people will i believe people will become used to the new cost to money yeah let's be relevant here this it's we're not at we're not at um nine percent no and and the the reality was that just just um at the tail end of gfc the standard rate was nine percent i remember I, i don't know if i said this in the last podcast or the last facebook live i was doing a review with a client and we were just prepping up i think it was last month to purchase again and they uh, the office sent through the pre-approval, but it was the wrong pre-approval. It was from 2019, early 2019, and um, the particular client got a 88% loan-to-value ratio plus LMI product, interest only, five years, and it was 4.5%. Mm-hmm. This is early 2019, and yep. we were super, as investors, we were super happy with that cost mm-hmm. of money, especially yeah. if you had a few properties. Mm. Yeah, that was a decent... Yeah, it was a decent rate. It was a decent yeah. rate, right? So we're not even there yet. It's only early, it was early 2019, so, so it wasn't that long ago. Mm. And we were fixing at 4.99s and, and uh, you know, turning yeah. cartwheels on it. I know, I remember that. <laughs> if I get 4.99 interest only, I've never seen that. I'm going to take a whole heap of it, and yep. we did. But it's, it, it, being only three years ago or thereabouts and 4.5%, look what has happened in, th- in three years mm-hmm. or thereabouts. A hell of a lot. And what will happen in the next three years will be similar. Yeah a hell of a lot will happen. And what tomorrow holds in terms of, and tomorrow in real estate is years, no one knows. No one knows. No one knows yep. what the, the credit policy will be. No one knows what the financial environment will be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So trying to get out of a market now to run to the hills with your tail between your legs is just simply foolish if you don't have the hurt mm-hmm. that where you need to sell. And if you do have the hurt, well, then perhaps you haven't prepared yeah, correctly. So let's Vic, let's talk about the where we believe uh, the opportunities for tomorrow are going to be based on what we've seen over the last twenty two years mm-hmm. or thereabouts. Um, and the first one for me is going to be the properties that are cosmetically challenged. Yeah, and you could even sort of throw in some stuff there. The next level up. A, over and above cosmetically challenged properties to potentially small um, structural mm-hmm. scenarios as well. I'm not sort of talking about collapsed properties. You know, it might be just a half-complete thing or something yep. like that. So traditionally what we've seen, 
is as the market tightens and as credit becomes harder to get, and in this case it'll be via serviceability calculations and the cost of money clearly, we find that the properties that are cosmetically challenged tend to have less of an absorption rate. And what I mean by that is they hang on the market for longer mm. because as capital becomes uh, a premium, so to speak, there is less, uh, therefore less of it. People don't have the ability or want to use large portions of capital to buy a property and then have to fund a renovation. Then you overlay the construction industry at the moment and trying to get trades and mater- materials and, and what have you. It's going to become more and more of a don't wanna. Yep. Yeah. So there'll be less people vying for it. Correct. Mm. And we see this time and time again at this stage of the mm-hmm. market. And once again, this will be state, territory, city, region, and even potentially suburb driven mm. as well, um, where you will see these properties start to linger on the market for longer and therefore become more negotiable. Yes. Um, and even even they may not get to the market, it may be a scenario where the agents are starting to trying to sell them as a pre-market opportunity Mm -hmm. so that they don't stay on the open market for long periods of time. And we are seeing that right now with the number of calls we're fielding from the agents. That, uh, you know, they they are seeing how the market is going to pan out uh, and they're being proactive and uh, reaching out to us um, quite early in the piece. Whereas just three months ago, we're we're not even hearing from them, not even returning phone calls because the market was pretty buoyant. The rates weren't on the uh, the run. And... um, uh, you know, it, it's a matter of understanding that the agents will try and help out the vendor because by selling the property, that's how they earn their income. And so they'll do anything within their means to get a reasonable price uh, for the vendor. And uh, hence, this is where we come in in terms of uh, reasonable price does not necessarily mean top price. It means actually getting rid of the property itself as well. And the reasonable price may be dictated by the circumstances. Mm-hmm. So even though the property in this Example might be a don't wanna. Yep. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that the vendor is back against the backs against the wall. The seller, mm-hmm. the vendor, it, their backs against the wall, and they have to sell. It just might be a thorn in their side, and they want to sell. Mm. And the market will dictate what the price is. Now, if it is something that is cosmetically challenged, then there needs to be a discount. Absolutely. And the discount, and this is where the. But having said that. You need to be investors need to be very very careful that they're not sugarcoating the numbers. Just because it's a discount of X percent doesn't necessarily make it a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole heap of calculus in the background, or you know, DD due diligence, feasibility study, and the like, to determine whether the property is still going to be profitable yep. for you. Now, some of the other things that you need to be aware of when you look for those types of properties are the council regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, not biting up too much to chew. Correct. Right. Timelines, mm-hmm. capital requirements, etc., uh, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, et so there's a whole heap of diligence that you need to do in the background to make sure that you're not just going through the motions and buying yourself a job mm. to be in a net neutral position. You need to be turning a profit. Now, I'm not yep. talking about selling. I'm talking about a, a paper profit, essentially, yeah, right. a that's value right. pro- a yep. value proposition. Uh, but it will be reliant. I believe, as it always is at this time of the cycle, upon the relationships with mm-hmm. the agents. Now, the agent's job is to do the best thing by the vendor, but sometimes the best thing to do via by the vendor is to sell it at a price, mm-hmm. to move it on, yep, and get some cash in the bank for whatever the reason may mm. be. 
So when you look at it, right, so the, I guess the question is, you know, why wouldn't we buy these sort of properties uh, during a boom time? Um, yes, you can. And, and this is more skill set based as well, because we we'd have bought properties uh, in the last couple of years where they needed substantial renovation. But um, often at those times, you'd want the market to do the heavy lifting, right? Because it's on, on its strong run up. Why tinker too much with the property itself? Now, as the market turns, these properties, whilst they were still good back then, become excellent now um, because you're able to protect a deposit going in, provided you've done the due diligence um, uh, up ahead. Uh, and we're not going getting into a flip situation of, of renovating and selling and walking away the profit. What we're trying to do is push the value up significantly or sufficiently enough so that if you did run into trouble, you've still got an out. Right, because we need to take an approach that anything that we're buying in the next say year, two years may go sideways or downwards slightly. Uh, and life always has different challenges thrown at us. So we always take an approach for your entire portfolio to say, okay, if life turned pear-shaped, how are we going to extract ourselves out? And it might not be the property that we're buying, but uh, against the entire portfolio, how it fits in so that the liquidity is maintained, the equity position is maintained, and we're not slipping back into significant negative equity. Uh, and across the portfolio, we are always above uh, above the line as opposed to uh, you know uh, living in fear to say that if things went pear-shaped, I'll be selling at a big loss. Very good point. And what we're not doing is take the cash flow scenario yep. into, into, into account here. We're just talking about the value proposition as opposed right. to the cash flow which is another podcast mm-hmm. uh, in itself. I want to say something though, and it sounds like I'm going to contradict myself um, somewhat. There's a there's a very good chance that there will be segments of the market that act similarly similar to what happened during the GFC. And I'm talking about the absorption rate. So mm-hmm. the amount of properties that come onto the market, how long they sit there before they are absorbed slash purchased. Now there are certain elements of the market during the GFC that were or other crisis for that matter where listings were softer yeah in other words there weren't as many properties on the market during a time of perceived grief as there was to a time of buoyancy Mm -hmm. so people are buying selling buying selling buying selling or selling buying selling buying um so therefore the turnover is a lot greater than what it has been during softer times because if there's not the economic hurt to to warrant putting the property on the market and people, I believe, are far more sophisticated and educated today than why would they? So there's a real chance that the good areas, people will retain. It won't be on sale. It won't be on sale. Mm. And there won't be this flood of over and above historical listing volumes yep. because there's not the hurt to do That's so. exactly right. Now, on the other side of the ledger, there will be, there will be areas that will. Mm. And I, I guess you could use the beginning of COVID or the first year or thereabouts as an example and take, say, the unit markets mm. where you couldn't rent them and you couldn't give them away and in good areas and now you can't find one to rent and or one to buy. Yeah, how quickly did that turn? Yeah, and we're only talking, what, three years. Mm. So that goes back to what I said earlier on. Three years is a hundred dog years mm-hmm. in real estate. It's a hell of a long time. Um, you know, the days are short, the years are long. Yep. yep. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I actually believe tying into the point around the the types of opportunities in and around renovations that present themselves it won't they won't be abundant mm-hmm. 
they'll be there, but there's not going to be hundreds of them. Yep, and you need to be able to snap them up, snap, <laughs> <laughs> snap them up uh, as quickly as possible because um, this is where people that are prepared uh, and the vendors they taking uh, an offer that's on the table right here, right now. Now, one of the metrics that uh, in this market doesn't quite have as much relevance as it does in other markets is days on market. Because uh, a lot of times as the market is changing, the vendors haven't caught up to the agent messaging, what what the general public perception is on that area and where the values really sit. So it tends to stay on the market longer. Um, uh, and uh, you can't use that as a, as a metric to decide on an area if there's going to be prolonged days on the market, where the days on market is increasing. Because it's 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 a transfer of knowledge at that time. Hundred percent. That's a really good point. Because, and it, well, I'll exclude sort of one trick pony towns mm-hmm. from what I'm about to say. Yeah. Let's just talk about good solid areas, major metropolitan areas, or commutable distance too. I think days on market are more relevant in a buoyant market, absolutely, yeah. than what they are in a softer market mm-hmm. because of the agent messaging in a softer market. Because of perhaps vendors, sellers still having their head in the clouds as to where the value sits. At the end of the day, a property will sell at what the market believes is value, mm-hmm. and what else it's competing against. Correct. Where, you know, whereas in a buoyant market, things are just selling. Yep. Because of FOMO, people will pay whatever they need to. Mm-hmm. Forget value. Forget where value really sits. It's just, I want in the market and I'll pay whatever I can afford to get in. Yep. So the days on market are very important then. I don't believe they're as important, mm. generally speaking, in a softer market because there are way too many variables there t- in relation to the data that is open for interpretation. Mm. And depending on what filter you put on it will be the Dr. Google answer that you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. For. Yeah. Now, the other other thing is, as you look at the bell curve, right? So, as the market goes up, right? And then and the market's coming down to its tail, right? So, as it starts going up, one of the things that you battle is the valuation from the bank because they haven't kept up as to how fast the market is shifting and they're saying, oh, I don't know whether this trend will last. So, they tend to de- devalue, so uh, undervalue. So, do you, you find at that point in time, so this is the beginning of a bull run, right? Uh, the, the, the valuations don't stack up. So you may be paying, say, as an example, 800K for a property. Valuation comes in at 750. And then you have to battle it and then give uh, different um, uh, comparables to the valuer. In most cases, the valuer is not going to move their valuation because that's their reputation on the line. So you may have to go to a different lender in that sense. Now, when you go to the other side of that um, uh, the bell curve, now we're at the bottom end of the market, potentially the bottom, or, or, or sorry, the bottom end of the curve, right? So it's gone to its peak and it's now starting to come down. Um, now the lenders aren't sure and the valuers aren't sure. Oh, don't know where it's going to end up. So we get the same problem again, where the valuations might not stack up. And we're also compounding that problem by targeting a property that's got that's cosmetically challenged. So what will usually happen is that your valuer may say, yeah, you know what? 800k, yeah, I agree with that. However, it needs 50k worth of repairs, so I'm going to devalue it by uh, 50k. So it's 750 is what I recommend you lend it at uh, against. Uh, and if they do X number of um, items, then we'll push it up to 800. Or we've also seen in the past where the valuer said we want to see a, a builder's quote. Builder's quote, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is yeah, good luck in mm. today's and, environment. Yeah, and, and the bank may say, yes, we'll fund it at 800. However, we'll withhold the money um, that's that's on the quote until you do the works. 
Correct. So this is where prepare being prepared comes in because you need to have money in your coffers to facilitate for that. So what we're really talking about today are the people that are prepared. Mm-hmm. So the ones that have become liquid, yep. that have the borrowing capacity, that where these types of challenges in and around valuations or LVR positions aren't going to be an issue. An issue in the yeah. scheme of things, mm. yeah. So yeah. this isn't for everybody. And let me stress that. The, these, the opportunities that we believe that it will present themselves over the next 12, 18 months or thereabouts mm. are not for everybody. Yeah. Are not for everybody. For some of you, you might have to actually sit this one out. Correct. And that yeah. might be the smartest thing to do. So yeah. let's go to the next one uh, that I believe will be an opportunity. And you and I personally have bought a hell of a lot of these over the years uh, and that is the constructions or renovations that are 80 90 95 percent complete so just only weeks away from the occupation certificate yeah or some larger some mm-hmm. months away from finished of the finishing of construction uh, as it is and <coughs> i remember during the gfc where we bought heaps yeah we bought heaps yeah. Like, you know, might have been, a, I don't know, a row of townhouses that come mm-hmm. to mind that were 99% complete mm-hmm. uh, at mortgage and possession auction or renovations that were... Half complete. Half complete. So they'd stripped out everything, grand desires, and dreams on what to do and then ran out of capital, mm-hmm. weren't prepared, moved on and we would clean up mm-hmm. uh, the renovation or even just house and land yep. scenarios where the builder's gone broke but all the certification and certificates were in place or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be now the reason why i think that that's going to be almost a reality in some circumstances is just because of the construction industry and the way it is at the moment Mm. Uh, as we all know there's a lot of builders that are doing it tough large medium small and someone's got to take those projects over now obviously you know pro build up on the gold coast or wherever it was with 300 things under construction we're not large enough to go out and take that out, nor mm. would I want the headache, no. to be honest with you. Um, but just the individuals, yep. I believe. And if a construction or the completion of a construction is above your pay grade... Don't get into it. Don't get into it. Mm. Um, maybe start with the half-renovated properties or, mm. or whatever it may be. But I think that's going to be, for the larger investors and in their real sense, the sophisticated consortiums, so to speak... I think there's going to be quite, not a lot, but there'll be some of that via the liquidators, mm-hmm. administrators, yeah. that um, the general public, unless you're looking for, won't know. Mm. Yeah, so how do, how do these properties come about? It, it, it's through three reasons, right? Lack of funding, lack of will, or lack of relationships. So as, as the money becomes hard, relationship, relationships break down, business relationships, personal relationships. So um, these are these properties then come up on the market. Uh, and usually these, uh, if it's a mortgage in possession, usually goes to an auction. Uh, and um, uh, depending on how the market pans out, may not sell at the auction and they are then highly negotiable uh, because the market has spoken, so to speak. Uh, and um, uh, you know, this is where usually you're going in on a 30-day contract because the bank is keen to get onto their money. Um, a lot of times the bank may not, uh, if it's in mortgage in insurance territory, the bank may not be as pedantic about uh, how much they sell the property for, within reason, but they still have to sell it for actual market value, perceived market value. Uh, and um, this is where the poor borrower 
um, is then pursued by the mortgage insurer for the balance of the funds. So when you get into a market like this, it's highly negotiable again. Uh, and this is where sometimes people start chasing perceived profits without doing the full due diligence uh, because they they seem to be getting a bargain because it's a mortgage in possession. Correct. And so th- yeah, this particular strategy, if you will, um, in and around yeah, the completion of developments or large renovations mm-hmm. is not for the faint-hearted. It, it is for the sophisticated and experienced uh, investor that has the will, has the means, has the funding and the skill set. To see it through. To see it through. Um, if you don't and you take on something like this, you are speculating. Yeah. And that's not what you want to be no, doing not with in this half, market. And with a half-built uh, sort of article at yeah. the end of the day. But it, look, it's certainly a very – so it can be a profitable scenario, but yeah. go into it with your eyes yeah. wide open. That's right. I guess you can see the flavour over here, right? So this is where it's more hands-on investing now as opposed to more passive investing of the yesteryears where the market is shifting upwards because what we're trying to do is uh, step aside from your novice investors – and a novice buyers to, to um, focus on properties that will give you real opportunity, real growth. Um, and, and the growth is either manufactured or stabilized via renova- renovation. It's either um, manufactured because of the buying. So we bought it well. So prop- nothing wrong with the property, pristine property, but it's just hugely motivated. They need to sell to protect other business assets or other properties. They will come. Yep. And I think you've... you've Made a really important point there between the the passive investor and not. Mm-hmm. So the one that's more involved. And there are certain markets will dictate what you can do within the market. So it, when you have a market that's having a bull run, you don't need to do a hell of a lot other than yep. control the opportunity. Yes. And the market will lift itself. Uh, but in a market that is potentially, let's call it sideways, mm-hmm. that in certain areas... You need to be involved, so you are manufacturing the position mm. as opposed or stabilizing to stabilizing it. Yeah, anyway. correct. Now, that's for the people, for the investor that kind of wants a short-term result mm-hmm. in terms of whether it be the cash flow position or the equity position. Um, but equally for the for the passive investor, when you have a sideways market or a contracting market, it also gives you a good opportunity as the passive investor if you can get finance because that's what's going to drive the market somewhat mm. or a lot that you get to have more choice of controlling the good opportunity for the future when the market sort of recycles itself and gets into a more normalised situation. So you don't have to be one or the other. Mm -hmm. It's just that in these types of markets, the active investor really licks their lips. They benefit most. Correct. Yeah. So I guess, you know, if you're a first-time investor, you're sort of listening to this and thinking, oh, my God, there's so many moving parts. I, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to renovate. Uh, we need to understand the mechanics behind this, right? So um, when you look at uh, decision-making, people make the decisions based on sight and smell. So if the property is unkempt, you know, overgrown lawns, what we call the grandmother plants in the front yard, um, or it's just, you know, dirty dishes piled in the sink, um, really cosmetically challenged but structurally sound, people tend to discount it, right? Because they, they, can't, see the, they can't see themselves solving the problem, whereas that problem is very easy to solve, right? Let's say it hasn't been painted for 20 years and it's all flaking, very easy to, to solve that problem. 
smell. Uh, it could be that, you know, let's say it had a uh, leaking sewer pipe uh, underneath the house or uh, it's got the animals inside the house that it's got that peculiar smell, right? It's not pleasant. Um, the reality is that these problems are easy to solve. So for the first time investor to get into uh, a renovation type properties, what we normally do is we graduate you to the to the bigger renovation. So you start small, just a paint and carpet is very easy to organize which will help here cat in a shave is what you call it uh, and remember um uh, might as well bring smith street up where we uh, just um mowed the lawns uh, yeah, yeah 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 that's true <laughs> that was yeah. during during the, the gfc uh, and that made money straight away yeah yeah i remember that that was literally wasn't even a real mow it was uh whippersnip whippersnip yeah yeah, yeah. because the lawn was so overgrown that but everything else was fine on that property and that's an example of a um that was a mortgagee in possession. Mm-hmm. That was a don't wanna. Yep. And fast forward, I think that was two hundred and fifty-seven thousand. This is mm-hmm. testing my memory. And today, so that that was a GFC. So what? Call a year. Twenty years. Yeah. No, twenty years. Yeah, almost. Uh, tw- uh, yeah, ten years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's. It was Victor's birthday. Be, uh, be, being, <laughs> being with you, Steve, it seems like, you know, it's decades. Because time flies when you're having fun, Vic. Uh, is that what it, it is? is. <laughs> um, but the, you fast forward that property today mm. and it's over $800,000. Yeah. Now, there's a combination of the way it was bought, the market timing clearly, but also... The area. The area, the manufactured equity, and mm. then just the organic component yeah. to it. Um they were good times. Mm. I don't think we're going to be anything like that no, this no. time around. But I yeah. suppose what we're trying to do is <clears throat> if we're trying to paint a picture that there is always opportunity no matter mm. what the market is doing. And no matter what your experience is. Correct. Um, if you want it. Yeah. If you don't, then sit on your hands and do nothing. If you can't, then sit on your hands and do nothing mm-hmm. because sometimes that's the smartest thing to do. All right, let's get to the next <coughs> – excuse me. Let's get to the next uh, opportunity where we see – there could be upside. Uh, and it follows the same flavour as the other two pieces, and that is land. Mm-hmm. Because, and this will, be, this will be something that is actually unique to this set of circumstances as opposed to what we've seen in the past. Yeah. Um, and that is, as we've mentioned before, we're at the end of the funding cycle. We've got construction issues, bottleneck supply issues, labour shortage consumer sentiment in and around that space mm-hmm. that you might start to see land being recycled from people that have bought it that now can't build on it. Because they can't qualify for the finance. Because they can't qualify for the finance, nor can they get a construction uh, company. Mm-hmm. And that, that whole sort of self-fulfilling yeah. scenario happens. And so the land might become a don't want yep. don't want mm. as well. But... Word of caution, be extremely selective around, if you're going to go down that path, extremely selective because you still have the same problems as they do. Mm -hmm. Finding a builder, potentially the capital, potentially the funding, there's no real incentive because there's no income offered if you're looking for a tax strategy. So it impacts your borrowing capacity as well? Yep, Yep, 100%. However, if it's a good opportunity in a good location with good square meters and good fundamentals and good, 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 and you can because you're cashed up, you're liquid, or you have the ability, the, to, hold the ability on. to hold on to it, there could be some opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. You, n- you need to take that approach to say that, you know what, you're not going to be able to build this cycle. 
right? So Correct. you need to get the cycle back up to the top before before you you can start building because money will be freer. Um, there'd be more construction companies around. Uh, so all of this crisis, the bottleneck would be gone, right? Uh, so I guess the question is, how long is gonna uh, this cycle going to be? I think it's going to be fairly short. Yeah, I actually do too. I, I, I think it'll be... I think the rate cycle will be shorter than what it has been yeah. historically. Mm. Um, so historically, uh, high interest rate climbs after it reaches its its height holds for about eighteen months, and then it starts dropping, right? Correct. But I think it'll be faster than that. We'll reach the height a lot quicker and drop a lot quicker as well. Yeah, and, and there's a million reasons for it, which we won't go into all all of them. Um, but as we've mentioned before, yeah, the the whole worldwide economy is in a checkmate position. Mm-hmm. Damned if you do, and damned if you don't. And there is, there is some real potential inflection points out there which will warrant the necessity to drop interest rates somewhere in the... Or make borrowing much more easier. Yeah, either way. Mm. Same, same result, actually. Yeah. Because yeah. as we've said, that's a good point, because as we've said before, it's not so much the cost of money that is the be-all and end-all, it's the flow of credit. Yeah. It's the how easy is it for me to borrow money. Yeah, even at 5%. There was plenty of properties, you know, changing hands, and and that was a buoyant market. As I've mentioned a gazillion times before, but for the new listeners, I had properties double at nine percent mm-hmm. in twelve months. Yep, it's the cost of money was escalating mm. back then, but the flow of credit. Yeah, it's the availability. Correct. So the most recent example of that, just to remind everybody, was back when APRA pulled the handbrake. Yes. Side note: there's talk of that again. Mm-hmm. It, um, which would be suicidal. Like they just. APRA, you don't learn. It, um, call me. It's 1-800-STEVE. <laughs> um, there are so many other... Anyway, get off the box, Steve. Um, so it'll be the flow of credit that mm-hmm. could potentially change everything up on its head um, in combination with the shorter rate cycle. So his, we think, you and I both, well, I think we're on the same page here, that this rate cycle, therefore... Uh, the value proposition will be shorter than most because let's Much not, shorter. Yeah, let's not forget the major piece here. Who's going to put a roof over everybody's head mm-hmm. as we keep talking about? Yeah, and so too does every other media organisation. Now, so too is the government recognising it, state and federally, uh, and everybody. I mean, every week, every day, there's a bad news story about someone having to live in a tent or in a caravan park or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, and that is sad, very, very sad. And the only way that that will be fixed is via supply. Build more properties, make properties more available. And so if you loosen supply or create supply, which will help the problem first and foremost, people have got to be in a position to be able to activate that Mm -hmm. supply. In other words, buy it to rent it, buy it to build it, buy it to live in it. That requires funding. Mm-hmm. So it actually needs the bookend approach via supply and funding. And then you'll go some way towards rectifying the problem, yep. which then also ties back in doing the full lap, the full circle, in terms of why we think it's a different flavour this time around is because of all these different components which have never come together like this before. Mm. And ultimately, because of the lack of accommodation, that is going to underpin a lot of Australia in terms of the value proposition yep. because of the increase in cash flow. Therefore, uh, not, not making the, uh, the environment to not be able to sustain the property mm. and have to sell. Yep. 
So it's, it's a completely different set of metrics. But anyway, land, come back to that. So land, mm. once again, not for the faint-hearted. And that, that includes acreage as well. Well, if, if you t- come back to supply, mm-hmm. right, and you control the land, you know, he, she with the most land wins. Yes. At the end of the day. At the right location. In the right location, <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you, if you could um, control the land for tomorrow you're in a very, very good position. Mm. And that might be control the land with an existing dwelling on it, so a larger block, acreage, yep. whatever it may be. Um, and those that sort of know us and our clients know that we love our acreage mm-hmm. um, very much. And you, know, you could actually bring that into it, as you say, that you know, acreage is usually the last thing to go up and the first thing to go down. That's it. Uh, COVID, it was a little bit different because everybody ran to the hills and wanted to be doomsday preppers. Mm. Grow your own carrots and potatoes and have your own eggs. So let's go out and get acreage and live a sustainable lifestyle, but that's not reality. Mm. Um, so acreage did very, very well during COVID and it's holding. It's actually it's holding, it's holding moment, very well. Yep. Um, but that's not any acreage. So that means the acreage that you want is for the future. So it's a generational piece or a mm. legacy piece uh, that doesn't go underwater, that doesn't have power lines, that doesn't have mining subsidence, that doesn't have all these other warts on it mm. for the future. But high cost of entry that's it and and uh especially in a climate going uh, getting we're getting into right now the lenders may reduce the loan to value ratio on these properties correct so it's a it is a bigger barrier to entry mm-hmm. yeah higher price higher lower lvr sucks up all of your capital sucks up your cash flow mm. yeah there's a lot of moving sort of negative parts to acreage so that's why you usually see the people that um, the developers that control acreage, they control it for many, many years via an option, mm. um, which I don't recommend doing no. unless you really have some sophistication yep. behind you. Um, the next one, Vic, which will go against the grain a little, I believe, and there'll be people out there that go no way to this, uh, and that is the multi, multi-front multi door dwellings. Yes. So the blocks of units. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not talking about the 20-storey, 100 unit complexes uh, i'm talking about the small four packs five packs six yep. packs anything that really still in the residential lending. is in the residential space yep. and not the commercial space uh, now people that know us know that we love that as well so this is on a single title single title if yep. you can get them yeah um so those smaller complexes where you control all the square meterage and all the front doors and therefore all the streams of income. Mm-hmm. And the upside to them is, is you know, via strata titling when the time is right, yep. maybe some renovation. So it's really a combination of all mm. of what we've just talked about, the, the prior three, four points. So yep. multiple streams of income, all square meterage, well-located, renovation, strata titling. Mm-hmm. So council integration, I guess. Um, now that's certainly not for everybody again. And I find that the most profitable um, blocks of units are the ones that usually take the longest to get. So that it's a patience. Yes. It's a patience scenario because what usually happens in a buoyant market, void of COVID, is that you get the listed unlisted property trusts that really compete for those mm. and they've got very deep pockets so it makes it not very, it's not viable for you know, people like us, the normal mum and dad investor, to be able to compete with them and their, their deep, deeper pockets. But when you're going against the grain of market sentiment, the time to control those opportunities. Yep. You've been counter-cyclical. Right. Correct. Because yes. then, it, then it becomes, and once again, this is not for everybody, so this is 
probably a next level up mm-hmm. again this podcast in terms of what we usually talk about but i think it's yeah. something that we so, should so do generally i properly like that you're talking 60 65% loan to value ratios on those uh, occasionally you get your 80% but you got a budget for your 60 65s uh, and the lenders are fairly um, limited in terms of who will take these on um, which is all the more reason why you know take heed of liquefy all of your equity now so you can take advantage of something like that because if you've got a large enough deposit who cares what loan to value ratio the bank's going to give you within reason of course uh, because you're controlling the opportunity when the market turns the market becomes buoyant you can restructure that mortgage back to your 80% of the or 60% of the new value if you're still keeping it to the same lender and claw all of your money back out and and give some serious cash flow uh, and also it gives you several outs from that property strata titling renovation you name it yeah i think so the multi front door so block mm-hmm. of units might be even a, just a row of townhouses yep. or something like that you know small ones that isn't going to break the bank becomes a viable proposition when the time is right because mm-hmm. once again it's the way that you buy it not just price but it could be terms and conditions so early access without yep. trying to overcomplicate it uh but also the upside and the mitigation is in and around the one title versus mm-hmm. strata title for the future sell some keep some sell the lot keep the lot yep. whatever it may be and this is where you can play with delayed settlements um, all those sort of things in correct yep. in now, again being sophisticated a bit over here uh and i know what what you yeah. to say next. <laughs> it's um i won't actually because i don't want to sort of paint an illusion that it's that easy mm-hmm. um because it's not no it's not it's, it's not. not but it, you're also remember we're coming into a market to control multiple streams of income where we're undersupplied yes um so it's a, it is potentially another good opportunity for the prepared mm-hmm. investor now there are some people that we've had some clients that have done it together with their friends or they've you know created a a unit trust and mm-hmm. all got their own individual roles and that have done so now you know, that is kind of adding another layer of complexity onto something that I wouldn't strongly recommend unless you're really close. Yep. Um his goals are different. Correct. We're talking about joint ventures here, yep. I guess. Um but it's certainly something that's out there and once again those types of properties are usually advertised not necessarily via the agent. There's a different platform. Mm-hmm. Uh and once again relationship yep. driven. And then the last one, Vic, um is just don't change and don't overcomplicate what's worked yeah for the last 4 years. Yeah, absolutely. So that is stick to the fundamentals. Stick to the fundamentals. Forget everything that we've just said where there's potential opportunity because it's not for everybody once again. Mm. But <coughs> controlling an opportunity today for tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, I guess right so let's take that on its uh, on its own in, in its own isolation right so people say well you talked about renovation you talked about mortgage in possession talked about land talked about all these opportunities but i really want to buy and hold right i, mm. I just want a simple house four bedroom uh it's not sitting on a nice block in a good area and i just want to forget about it the reality of it is that investing is all about medium to long term right and yes we are getting into a market that potentially may go down And so the argument is that well why would I buy now if the market is going to go down it comes back to lending right so what you the value that you can buy at right now would be much lower than 3 4 months down the track because the assessment rate for the banks will change as the as the cash rate goes up the assessment rate goes up so uh, let's say you're able to borrow 800k right now you may only be able to borrow 650 in 3 4 6 months time 
so the reality is that to be able to control a a higher priced bracket asset in a different area in comparison to the 650 or it might even be in the same area but a, a different, different type, property different yeah. type you got to pull the trigger now and once again as long as you know you can afford yes. it it's not just about as we've always said there are two types of affordability what you know you can afford and what the bank tells you you can mm-hmm. afford and often they're wildly different but it is it's it is all once again around finance it is yes. a game of finance so that sits at the epicenter of everything whether it's your personal finance or the bank's finance if you are the investor that just says, you know what, I am, and we all should be this investor about looking to the long term because that's what it is, that while I can control the asset you will. because I have my 20-year focus filter mm-hmm. and I can do it today, I will do it today as long as there's not any undue pressure. But trying to time the market, I'm going to wait to the bottom of the market to get into it, is a fool's game. Yeah, because you, automatically you'll be able to borrow less at that point in time. Correct. And those that pick the dead bottom or the dead top of a market, it's more luck than good management. Mm-hmm. You want to be somewhere around the top and yep. the bottom if you're a trader, as an example. Uh, but plenty of opportunity to come up, Vic, I believe, mm-hmm. um, for the well-prepared. And if you're not prepared, then don't do anything. Yep. It, um, it's as simple as that. There's no magic formula mm-hmm. uh, to it. But I'd be really interested to fast-forward a couple of years, re-listen to this particular episode, mm-hmm see how accurate we were um, in and around, especially around the short-term cycle yeah, and see where it goes. But I, I'd, I'd stick my uh, neck out and say we, we are bang on. Oh, I know we are. It um, Once again, it's not for everybody though. Yep. It's not for everybody at all. All right, there it is, folks. It's where we see the opportunity in the market. Um, but if you really just want to dumb it down and play simple, then just control a good, well-located asset with the right fundamentals and you will do fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess um, so after listening to this, uh, perhaps you want to look at the options as to what you need to do, whether you need to sit it out or uh, whether uh, you need to pull the trigger now or prepare to pull the trigger in the in the coming months. Uh, all you need to do is reach out to us. Um, you'll have a chat with Melissa, who's a very seasoned property investor, uh, got a fairly large portfolio. Uh, she will make sure that you've got all of your ducks lined up and then set up a time for um either myself or Steve, to have a chat with you uh, so that we can then map out a strategy or turn around and say, actually, yeah, I think you need to sit this one out uh, and then we can go from there. And that's for our uh, clients as well. You know, yes. the, um, all of you that are listening, you know how it rolls. So make sure you do book in the reviews uh, if you haven't had one recently because it is that time of the year, especially as we're in the end of the financial year and the pre-planning for next. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure we do get together and... Once again, go over all the numbers and become forensic and find out what we should and shouldn't do. No worries. And feel free to share our podcast uh, with your network. That will certainly help us get the messages out to the broader public. Um, And uh, we'll see you in the next um, um, podcast. Maybe it's a fireside chat. Maybe we can organize ourselves that quickly. I doubt it. I doubt it. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening and we will see you next fortnight. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.